Marvel's Ant-Man, small wonder or big disappointment? I'm Mike. And I'm Darren. And this is Popscorn. On the Fell Entertainment Movie Review Podcast, and today we'll be talking about Marvel's Ant-Man. Uh, once again, I don't actually... No, wait. This wasn't released early, This was it? This was a worldwide July 17th release. Uh, I believe so, yes. Um, that somehow also leaked. Not the actual full film, but the ending credit stuff, which of course we come to later on in the podcast. So if you're here for all the spoilerific stuff, then skip to near the end, and you will hear all of it. But, of course, if you haven't seen the movie, stay with us, because we're going to talk about it in a spoiler-free review to begin with. Now, Ant-Man was in the most difficult position of having probably one of the most, um, how should I put it, troubling uh, development histories of the recent yes. Marvel movies. Because it's all been sort of like perfect harmony between all the directors, all the writers, and Kevin Feige, praise be unto him, has always yep. got it done. Ant-Man was the one where it felt like... We could see them slip up. This could more, be more the so end of than the like, yeah, essentially, it could be like not a disappointing film, say like Iron Man three or Thor two, but a flat out bad film. Yep. Um, I personally am happy to report that that is not the case. Nope, it's not a bad movie. It's a it's a pretty great movie. I really enjoyed it. I know that you didn't enjoy it as I did, but I'm not going to argue with you as to the levels that we should enjoy because for what it was. It's it did the job it needed to do, and I think that it has given Ant Man the credibility that he does deserve. I agree with that sentence. I really, really do. Um, and and this is not for me to say that this was a bad movie. In fact, there's very little about it I didn't like. But to the same token, there was very little that I was like, "This is amazing. This is fantastic. This is hilarious. This is whatever." I I feel this was. Solid, it's the best word I can use to and I'm just good, fine, okay, solid, but nothing. It's it's in the upper echelons of okay though, because you also branded Big Hero Six as, as okay. I oh, know this is better than Big Hero Six. This is much better than Big Hero Six. Where's it ranking? I mean, it's hard to rank it against Ultron, but I mean, if we had to rank it against Ultron, how far behind is it? Um. Not all that far because if we remember, we weren't all that high on Ultron. No, we weren't. We, we said it was that was also fine. We that was right. The good stuff was better than the good stuff in Ant Man, but it had more problems, like actual problems. Yeah. Whereas Ant Man's kind of in this like purgatory of like, well, the, the, there was good stuff, and there wasn't a lot of bad stuff, but there were just kind of. You know, middle of the road type of things, as opposed no, to any of the extremes. Not a memorable movie, but certainly by no extent a bad movie, and no. certainly worth your time. Is yes, what I would say definitely. But I, I can't say you know when we have to when I have to play through the Marvel movies again. I'm not thinking, oh, don't worry, Ant Man soon. It's just <laughs> yeah, Ant Man. I, I certainly think that Ant Man will be worth rewatching. Uh, if yeah. maybe not in theaters, I personally am going to go and see it again in theaters for the benefit of other people. Um, but on Blu-ray, certainly, yeah. This, oh, yes. this, this is one to pick up. This, for me, is... Because, um, obviously, last year, it was our, our big feud for best movie was Guardians and X-Men. And to me, Ant-Man is on the same level, in my eyes, as X-Men. It's like it's a pretty... 
It's a flawless movie, but it's not one that I salivate at the mouth at over. You know what I mean? Now, that's just my opinion. That's okay. what I liken it to. Okay, that's fine. Um, so, for those who don't know about Ant-Man, and this is going to be a lot of people, I imagine, up until now. Yeah. Um, this is the second Ant-Man, which is already confusing. Uh, even mm-hmm. in the MCU, they do set up that Michael Douglas's Hank Pym was the first Ant-Man back in the Cold War, which is pretty sweet. Yep. Really enjoy that bit. Enjoy the whole world building that gets in from minute one. Which is really yeah. cool. You get to see a bit more of the early early shield slash SSR stuff, which is pretty 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 sweet. Mm-hmm. And then of course it picks up uh, in the present day with uh, Paul Rudd, Scott Lang, the man who will be the Ant Man. And from there, it's it is very much a tale of redemption. It is a tale of a man who has lost everything through his own, how shall I say, like wrong path of quote unquote destiny. He's he's a thief. He is. Somebody who, but it's a thief with morals because it is a Disney movie and therefore it can't be about a dirty, rotten scoundrel. No. Uh, so he's a thief with morals. He gets out of prison. Things don't go well for him, but he's given a second chance at being something greater by Hank Pym, who for some reason knows about him. That's never brought up, that thinking about yeah. him. Yeah. Well, they, they make it to Disneyfy the thief a little bit more. They do say that the case that kind of got him known, the thing that he got sent down for, was he was breaking into a corrupt uh, scientist company to try and, you know, you know, liber- like, do some liberation type of thing, like some Greenpeace crap. Um, so that's what he went down for, and he does note at some point, like, you broke into a science facility that has all this amazing um, defence security technology. That would have put him on Hank Pym's map. So that's how they were brought to each other's attention. But yeah, they were very vague on how he's watched him in prison and all that type of thing. But you know, we can... Other than just, I've got ants! <laughs> Hundreds of them, billions <laughs> of them, ready to lay down their lives for me and me alone. <laughs> there is so much ant death in this movie. I know, right? They do do a bit where, he, you know, they try and make it look like he does try and save the ants. He doesn't just leave them in places. But there's some bits where he like, leaves them next to C4 yeah. and leaves. And he's, okay, blowing it up. Um, yeah, uh, the... The, the reason why Edgar Wright dropped out, which is the problem we were uh, alluding to earlier, Edgar Wright was originally... He be, he developed this for a very long time. Hell yeah. He was in talks to start doing Ant-Man stuff before the first Iron Man movie came out. There was an interview with him in, like, 2006, so before any of this died, where he was like, we're talking about Ant-Man. Now, obviously, that evolved over time to fit in with this um, MCU, and the, apparently the problem was that Edgar Wright wanted to make too much of an Edgar Wright movie and Marvel weren't okay with that. They wanted, you know, not a yes man, but, you know, someone's going to toe the company line as opposed to make it yeah. their own thing. So I wonder how much of my, uh, Edgar Wright's fingerprint is still left all over this movie. Now, there are a number of sources that say that the basic bones of the plot of, you know, the fall and redemption of Scott Lang... Um, the whole fact of it being Darren Cross as Yellow Jacket still dates back apparently to the the right Edgar Wright draft. So mm-hmm. that's not a Peyton Reed inclusion because obviously we didn't we all thought it was going to be Ultron. That's who we thought yeah. it was going to be. But apparently Edgar Wright wanted to create much more of like I say an Edgar Wright movie and wanted very very little to do even before he left with the wider Marvel universe. Which I'm glad that's something that Peyton Reed did want to do mm-hmm. and did want to make it as a part of a bigger universe because the great the great thing about Ant-Man I think 
is that it is bigger than the sum of its parts, and of course it is a smaller part of a bigger machine. Are you making puns here? No, I'm trying not to, but it's kind of hard when yeah. you're talking about somebody that shrinks and grows in size. Yeah. Um, but it is what it is. It is... It's not like Guardians where in the sense that it, this... It, it's not like this takes place... Over thousand, there. Yeah, over there. Yeah. Which we'll eventually get to in about five movies' time. Yeah. This takes place, you know, just south of what's happening. They go to a few different locations that we've already seen in Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Like, again, from minute one, we see the Triathlon or whatever it's called. Triskelion. Triskelion. I keep... I can't fucking... Triskelion. <laughs> I don't know. The the Shield place. That thing is, is gone to. I don't want to spoil where else we go because that bit is pretty good. But yep. Marvel pretty much already spoiled it in the trailers, but well, well, I didn't. You didn't know. I went in completely blind. Yeah, they, they stuck surprised. it in an international trailer. And everyone was like, "Oh my god, look who shows up!" And then like Marvel, US, and UK were like, oh, for um, sake. "So they have to show it off." Right. Okay. Yeah, because morons. I never saw them. Yeah. The, this speaking just on the marketing side of this movie, I know that nobody knows who Ant Man is, and it's very important that people realise this guy is going to be partying up with Captain America and Iron Man yeah. and Co in the future. God damn it, the, the advertising of this movie was just everywhere. I mean, everywhere. Yeah. It had Marvel, really. That should have been enough to get people in by this point. You know, these guys are 12, 13 movies deep now. Yes, yes, but, you know, the point of they have to get... It's not so much they have to make people aware of it, they have to get over the stigma of, well, what can this guy do? And the movie also has to kind of get over that as well. And I think they went to great strides to show that yeah, he's not going to be able. He's not going to be a world beater. He can't blow up planets, and he can't, you know, f- you know, throw airplanes about. But for espionage and you know, um, infiltration, Ant Man is second to none. Like even when he's still trying to get used to the suit, he can sneak into anywhere he wants to. So I think they did a really good job there of making it seem like yeah, he's not going to be you know, he's not a game changer like the Hulk and Thor can be, but he's still. A useful member of the team. He's better at espionage than even, you know, the... Uh, uh, Hawkeye and Black Widow. Hawkeye and Black Widow are. Why'd I have to do that? <laughs> um, just to go back to the Edgar Wright thing briefly, um, just while it's on the tip of my tongue, mm-hmm. apparently one of the problems they had was he was going to make Scott Lang a lot more uh, morally ambiguous than he was. He wasn't going to have this whole, you know, thief with a heart of gold storyline. He was just going to be a thief and Hank Pym turns him around would be the uh, way of saying it. So, which, which is interesting because that's not the case in the comics. Weirdly enough, that is not the case. Right. Is that is that um, Scott Lang is very much a man on his last legs in terms of he, he needs to be able to get a living and he can't and he does resort to stealing the Ant-Man suit because he knows of its potential and he knows what mm-hmm. it's worth. But as it turns out, he's a better user than it than Hank Pym because Hank Pym's gone batshit insane. Yeah. I, well, that's the thing. I, I think... Not to ever disagree with Edgar Wright, because, you know, he's a visionary director, much more so than I ever be, but I don't think I would have liked it if Scott Lang was... Because he was already, you know... OK, yeah, he, his first um, uh, thieving job, the, the one he got sent down for, was had some good morals behind it, even though it was still illegal. The second one he does... Um, would that be a spoiler? When he breaks into... I guess not. We know that he's... Okay, he's well, yeah, he goes to steal... He goes to break into Hank Pym's house. He didn't know it's Hank Pym's house. He didn't know what's in the safe, but he goes and breaks in there. And, yeah, he is at the end of his tether at that point, but he still does it no problem. He still doesn't, you know, rack himself with guilt over it. He kind of goes, oh, I've lost my job at Baskin and Robbins. I've got go now. That was weird. That was weird. Product it, it was, but I liked that 
it really shows that Ant Man is like, you know, he's uh, he's probably the most every man. Yeah, that they've yeah. had so far in the Marvel. He's not a super. Well, he's got an electrical master's degree. Yeah, yeah. And he's a super thief, but he he worked at Baskin and Robbins. That's kind of what I mean. I was saying for ages, and you can go back on the podcast and listen to me bitching about how it's not Hank Pym as as Ant Man, but Hank Pym is a super genius like Tony Stark, and I kind of feel like an idiot for saying that now because Scott Lang is the better choice. Yeah, because he's he brings something new. He is his own thing. He is just. A guy who can drink. And that's not trying to demean him. That is saying, out of all of the Avengers, you know, come the end of Infinity War, put all the Avengers side by side, the ones you probably want to go with a drink with are Cap and Ant-Man. Because they are normal people, besides the fact that one's jacked and one can drink. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things about this movie that stayed apart from every other Marvel movie, in that you had this kind of mentor relationship. I can't remember that it happening in a Marvel movie where... Not really. You know, someone's teaching... It happened in Daredevil, but on TV. Um, and yeah, it, it was good to have, like, world-weary people who weren't, like... You know, they they had distrust of S.H.I.E.L.D. already. They had distrust of superheroes. That was fun. We haven't had that before. And that just helped it have that everyman charm, which I think is the best thing they had going for Ant-Man. True. I think that was the, the best foot they put forward in the trailers. I know you weren't keen on them, but... Um, I would have pushed that even harder. Yeah. Like he's, I don't know. I the, the level of self awareness that it struck in the movie was perfect. Like, yep, you can tell that a lot of the stuff. Like, is it too late to change the name? Was was done for the trailers. Yeah, and like Ant Man, I know it wasn't my idea. Done for the trailers. These are lines you won't find in the movie. By the time he's oh, like Scott Lang is okay with being called Ant Man, he is Ant Man. Yeah, that that's a sincere line, which is pretty good. Yep. Um, Should we quickly touch on the acting? Because I feel like we have we've discussed the production and. Yep. Um, stuff. Well, uh, Paul Rudd. Good. Good job. Like solid. I didn't have doubts for a second. Paul Rudd. Nope. He's a brilliant. I, I think actor. I'm looking more forward to him getting uh, into it with the rest of the Avengers. Oh yes. I think that's going to be. I think he's going to come more into his own then because he has good um, Bantman. Really. With um with um uh, Evangeline Lilly and uh, Michael Douglas, I think he just find that. And with his um cronies, who we'll get to in a second, yeah. he has he has good repertoire with them. But I do feel put him up against like, like him and Tony Stark's gonna be a fun conversation. And yeah. Fifa is super genius. Um, him and Thor would be quite a fun conversation because Thor doesn't get the you know like, the intricacies of like you won't know human what an, dialect. You won't know what an ant is. You probably won't know. Well, that'd be fun. That's gonna be great. Um, that would be cool. What, um, if, what if he sees the the one from the end of the movie? Oh yeah, that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll, he might. We'll talk about that. In a we'll bit. talk about that in a second. Um, so yeah, I, I think Batman did all right. Batman. Batman. Jesus. Jesus. He's got mad Batman. Jesus Christ. Michael Douglas was brilliant in this. Yeah, I really like Michael Douglas. In now, this is Michael Douglas is, is a decorated actor, but I don't mean that you know he goes around with wallpaper on him. I mean that he's won a lot of awards. He is an esteemed actor. Yeah. And by God, is he good in this? It looks like he's having fun. He's he's taking the role seriously, and at the same time. Turning around a memorable performance because, like, the the bit that got me was when he, um, because Hank Pym's very straight laced, and then he's like, Why don't you break into a place and steal some shit? Or, like, yeah. you're, you're like, you're a dickhole or something like that. He didn't say that, but I no. can't remember what he said. And he straight up punches people in the face, you know, with reckless abandon. <laughs> yeah. He does not mind clobbering people. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I prefer this because, like, they've started to get more, um, big name acts in there. Like, you know, you had, um, um, oh, God, Captain America. Uh, Winter Soldier 
uh, uh, Robert Redford. Yeah, Robert Redford. Yeah. I mean, okay, Sam Jackson, but I mean, of that type of caliber, like Oscar-winning yeah, yeah. old hands. Michael Douglas is by far the best one they've had. Totally. He was. You could tell he was having fun. He he gave himself completely to the absurdity of what was happening. Um, Evangeline Lilly was really quite good uh, when she when she you know wasn't just doing the whole fake smile. I know that she had to do the fake smile because of the keeping up the facade in, yeah, in yeah. Pimtech. Um, but it was a lot of just just big beams. But I'm like. Show some range, please. Yeah, she. I'd like she, some range. But later on in the movie, she definitely does improve yeah, the game. I think um, the frosty relationship with her dad kind of flipped between like, well, if she really disliked him that much, she wouldn't be hanging around his house. And she, she would have thought, well, hang on, maybe I will team up with with Darren Cross and, yeah. and really fuck him over. Well, not not that much. I thought like because the the reason they kind of come together again, this isn't much of a spoiler, is that it becomes apparent that Darren Cross, the quote unquote bad guy of the movie at this point anyway is about to crack the Ant-Man formula because they haven't cracked it prior to... Um, Hank Prim's the only one who knows the formula, essentially. Yeah. Um, so that kind of begrudgingly gets them back together. But she seems quite capable of doing everything by herself. So it was quite odd that they would keep going back to... Like, she would work with someone she clearly despises and someone she thinks is quite stupid in um, Ant-Man instead of just trying to do it herself. That was a bit weird, but I thought she'd find she was... Strong. On that, and it was another point where I felt the movie did kind of excel itself, is when the movie paved up its own plot hole. This this is a, a move I rarely see in movies, but like, eventually Lily, um, Hope Van Dyne is always saying to Hank Pym, why don't you let me put on the Ant-Man suit, let me be Ant-Man or Ant-Woman or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, no, we need Scott. And I'm like, no, no, we don't. And even Scott Lang goes, no, you don't need me. Mm-hmm. But then in an excellent little scene where... Uh, Scott Lang just gets in Hope Van Dyne's car and talks to her. He says, the only reason I'm here, the only reason he's relying on me is because I'm talented and I'm unexpendable. Yeah. Like, Holy shit, that's actually a really cool dynamic. Yeah. That worked really, really well. He's not going to sacrifice his daughter, especially after the stuff that comes to light about um, Janet Van Dyne. Um, Who my... apparently wasn't pimp-slapped. She was... <laughs> no, thankfully, <laughs> she wasn't... Um, she wasn't. Well, you just beat a lot of other people. Well, True. I'm glad that it, yeah, Disney was never going to allow him slapping um, <laughs> Hank Pym. Uh, Should we touch on the, the Ant crew, as it was? Yeah. No. I really liked them. I thought I was going to hate them. And yeah. and T.I. was the weakest one, the guy who played Dave. Right. Because um, right. he kind of didn't have a lot of good jokes. But the, no. I forget the name of the Russian guy and the Michael, Michael Payne as, uh, what was his name? I don't know. I was about to say Daniel. Enrique, and I was like, that's... that's or Julio. No, it's Michael Payne. We'll just call him Michael Payne. Yeah. Um, we're both really good. Really, really good. Michael, Michael Payne might have been the highlight of the movie for me. <laughs> he was hilarious. Um, the, the scenes where he was, like, talking through, um, like, you know, the things he'd heard. Yeah, yeah. And his voice was doing all the voice. That, I was that like, that's was Edgar, awesome. That's Edgar Wright through and through. That is definitely a holdover from his days um, doing that. That was fantastic. It really, really was. Here's um, the thing. Go on. Now I've read an interview with Kevin Feige and Peyton Reed. Yeah. You know the mo- the the scenes you've just described. Yeah. From Peyton and Adam McKay's draft. Really? Yes. Okay. I would have thought that was. Yeah. yeah. When when Paul Rudd, Adam McKay, and Peyton Reed all came on to work on the project, because not many people know this, but Adam McKay, the guy who wrote Anchorman, mm-hmm. and Paul Rudd, Ant Man himself, both wrote the second draft of Ant Man. Mm-hmm. These scenes that we're discussing now, the. Uh, the explanation scenes, the like, yeah, you told yeah. me to tell you to tell you scenes, um, weren't in. And mm. a lot of the comedy was not in, which is 
really interesting. A lot, okay. of, a lot of the more obvious comedy, shall I say. Like, the stuff where he's trying to jump through a keyhole was, was right draft. Right, right, right. Okay, I, I was, that was odd, because I thought that would have been... Um, that had uh, Edgar Wright's fingerprints a little bit, but awesome, okay, that explains... It was a very funny movie, I'll give it that. Yeah, definitely. Well, from, I wouldn't say it was funnier than Guardians, but I'd probably say it's right behind that as probably the funniest... Well, the Iron Man. Hmm. Well, I, Iron Man's got snark, he doesn't have straight-up comedy, whereas this film... Do, what in the middle of being serious will just throw you a comedic curveball, yeah. which again we'll come and talk about later because that's the end of the movie for me. I think that kept the tone right. I don't think this needs to be a serious movie because you know no. Ultron had that. Winter Soldier was an incredibly serious movie. This was more uh, Bantman. Yeah. I'm going to stop making that pun. Um, <laughs> Darren Cross, the bad guy. Here's the thing. I'm probably de- almost definitely actually in the minority about this, but having. Uh, heard and, and like thought about the movie a bit more after watching it last night. I'm I've come to the conclusion that I think he was actually really really good. Right. And purely because um, there's a point in the movie where this isn't spoiling too much. It might spoil a little bit. So tiny spoilers. Um, Darren Cross is trying to replicate the Ant Man formula, and he's yeah. doing rigorous round the clock testing. This involves, for some reason, his odd fascination of destroying lambs. Yeah, it's which, quite which was weird. The more I thought about, it, I was like, "What the fuck's it?" And he, and he just he goes mental on the flick of a switch. Yeah, but when he was explained that, like, uh, and I and I thought about the comics, and as it turns out, this is why Hank Pym actually hit Jennifer Van Dyne. The exposure to the Pym particle actually does sort of mess with the brain a little bit, right? And turn off all inhibitors for mm-hmm. a short amount of time. And this would make Darren Cross go insane. Not only that, you do see that Hank Pym says, like, he says, well, "Why don't you put the suit?" Back on Hank, he says, "I'm not going to do that to myself. I know what the effect is." Again, right. he doesn't mind Scott using it because Scott's expendable. Right. Darren Cross doesn't know that this will happen. He he didn't doesn't concern himself with the side effects. He's only all about the scientific breakthrough and then selling this off to militarize. Right. When you put it in that context, he doesn't know that he's going mental because it's just exposure to to pin particles. Well, somewhat near pin particles. But it makes sense for him to go mental and actually. Even in the whole like cavalcade and pantomime of him being mental, it was still thoroughly enjoyable. See what you've just done there. You've given it the I think the context that Darren Cross sorely lacked. In that I think if had had they explained yeah because you know they said he said about the pin particles having an effect on basically like I don't know, decreasing the brain. I don't know. Um, and I was fine with that, but. I had Hank Pym explicitly come out at some point in the movie. After subtly hinting at that, like, yeah, he turned me into a bad person, so to speak. Um, that would have been fine. But that's the thing. He's like, it's only from exposure to the pin particles. I was like, Darren Cross never used the pin particles. Yeah, he was working with them a lot, but he didn't use them. Had they shown him, maybe not explicitly have it on camera, but shown that like he had successfully shrunk himself. You know, after the the lamb test, you saw like him. I don't know, inject it or press a button. You just see him shrink out of frame. You never see him small because that ruins the money shot of him being yellow jacket. Um, I think I would have been a bit okay, but to me, it just felt like he was going generically evil. Mm. Like he just went off the deep end with like the tiniest provocation. Something does happen at the end of the movie that would make him angry, but it just felt he went too megalomaniac like quickly. Yeah, a bit more context. 
and a bit more showing of the hand, I think. Well, his relationship with Hank, with Hank Pym does lend to that a little bit, but yeah. like I say, doesn't justify. No, that was good. I liked that part of like you know the the um, suppressed uh, student and um, overbearing mentor. That was good because you know that helped with the it helped with the Hulk Van Dyne um, Hank Pym relationship as well. I just feel like I just kept thinking like. You're just evil. Now he's just like he's got the Marvel bad guy problem again. He's just being generically evil, and there was room for the maneuver where they could have put enough, you know, put a few more eggs in that basket. Showed being a bit more uh, upfront with what was happening. I think I would have liked it a bit more. Yeah, that's fair enough. They're all fair comments. Again, this is not to say that it's bad. It's just a little bit flawed, mm-hmm. and this is unfortunately where the flaws do show a little bit. Um. Oh, go on. Action. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Very, like, a very unique-looking movie. A fantastic blend of sort of, like, um, really, really nice visual effects and in just in general art direction. Yeah. Blended in with the action, because there's a lot of... Um, having learned a little bit more about it just by watching, like, Marvel's making of videos, they do a lot of macro photography, which explains, like, how they nailed the feeling of being small so well. Right. Because they got the greater detail. So, like, the bathtub scene... That is straight up ripped from uh, a piece of concept art produced for the right version. Right. So that felt awesome. I really enjoyed that. It really, really was. Go, like, and the flight scene in the server room was pretty sweet as well. I really enjoyed that. I think, right, I didn't. I made the mistake of not taking my glasses to watch this movie. So sometimes when the, movie, when, when the action got quite chaotic, I, it was just a, a blur of noise and sound and, and light, and I couldn't really see what was going on. Hopefully that will change. I will. We've hold judgment on that, um, but yeah, the 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 kind of key um, the the first of the movie, the heist scene, is very cool. Yeah, the way he's infiltrating using the ants. I think the ants are also a very good. Uh, were used very smartly in this movie. They were quite good characters of themselves, really, which was quite nice. Yeah, it showed again. It, it kind of put to the prominence of what Ant Man can do. You know, Thor couldn't do this. Thor couldn't sneak into. The place where Ant-Man has to go and sneak into, he can't do that. He's just blunt force. He just power through it. Well, look at the Avengers assault on the Sokovian fort versus the infiltration of Pimtech. The assault on the Sokovian fort was one of the biggest light shows to ever start a movie. Yeah. Meanwhile, the final act of Ant-Man is very stealthy, and it only when things do go tits up as things inevitably do mm-hmm. go tits up, it's only then where it starts being flashy. Yeah. But for most of it, it has you on edge for the whole... You know, how is this going to play out? Because Scott really isn't Hank Pym. No. He really isn't the secret agent that Hank Pym he used to He isn't the finished article. Exactly. Right, he, he he's still getting used to the suit and that... Um, I've lost my train of thought. God damn it, I need to drink water. It was um, good. It was, it was good. Um, <laughs> yes, like I said, I, I do need to watch it again and I'll remember my glasses this time to make sure that it wasn't just a bit too clustery for my liking. But yeah, sure. it was a diff... Again... This was the heist movie that Mar- of all the Marvel genre pieces they're doing. This was the heist movie, and I think they nailed it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really loving the uh, the genre approach. The whole like, yes, it's, it's really, very really good. Diff- very different to what DC are doing, which is well. This is the thing I was going to come back to. Just what you said, just to close off before we go into spo- spoilers. Marvel certainly does still have the vi- the villain problem, but DC do- does have a hero problem where they they can't take their heroes for what they want to be. You 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 can do this in Ant Man. Ant-Man is a wacky kind of hero that does shrink and do crazy stuff. And you know what? Scott Lang is 
very very intelligent, but at the same time, he's an average person with an average person's sense of humour and sensibility. Yep. Ant-Man is a hero just by being a regular person. He doesn't have to have the, you know, the forced pathos that, that Superman has in Man of Steel. He can just be Ant-Man, and that's cool. Doesn't need Jesus' analogies. No, I know, right? It's now that he's a hero. It's good times. Uh, just before I forget, two things, uh, before we find the spoilers. One, his daughter was so cute. I know. <laughs> she was so sweet. I mean, child actors are usually just the worst, but she was actually quite funny. She had one or two funny lines. Um, really, really quite a, a good effort. Because, again, like you say, child actors are grating. Yeah. But that one, like I say, had some great lines and actually played off a number of like adult actors really well. Yeah. Played off um, Judy Greer as Ant-Man's ex-wife. And I don't know the guy who played the cop. No idea. I just... It, the only thing I remember him, I don't remember his name, he's just Asshat. He's an Asshat. He played off Asshat very well. Yes. And funny enough, weirdly well off Darren Cross in one particularly good scene. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of the end movies is really good. Um, the other point I want to make is, wow, were the police incompetent in this movie. <laughs> they will abandon their arrested people at the moment's notice. <laughs> they could not get anything right. Their car gets stolen. They have two guys pinned on the ground ready to arrest and an alarm, a vague alarm goes off and they go, oh, <laughs> let's not cuff him at least or throw him in the van now let's just run away incredibly incompetent these officers all throughout this movie making this movie possible um, this is why we need superheroes yeah uh, so just if you're going to now tune out for the uh, before we start talking about spoilers um, very quickly yeah I thought it was good fine okay Nothing, this is by no means my favourite Marvel movie, but it's also by no means my least favourite. You will not be disappointed going to watch this movie, just, yeah, I, I can't say I'm all like, if they said Ant-Man 2 was coming soon, I wouldn't be like, yeah, it's just, this was cool, I want to see him, I'm more looking forward to seeing him in the Avengers than I would be a second movie. Sure, okay. Um, I'd pretty much just like to say, this. it is what it is. Ant-Man is its own beast for very good reasons, because it is... Very different from what we're getting, and the fact that Phase 2 is closing out with another genre piece makes me very happy. Um, Ant-Man is a character that you are going to want to follow into the Avengers, because he will play off these characters incredibly well, because he's such a great character. Batman! (laughs) Batman! (laughs) Performed excellently by Paul Rudd. And you won't waste your time with this one. If you were disappointed in Age of Ultron because it wasn't the you know mind-boggling thing that it did claim to be... Um, and you go into Batman with, you know, mid to low expectations. Expect to be very pleased. If you're going in with high expectations, expect to have the met because it is a good film. It's it's just not the Avengers, no, as in the original because it hasn't been tops yet. It hasn't no, but it it, it it was fine. Now, spoiler alert! Here it comes. Uh, right, what can we talk about with the spoilers? Let's go first with Janet Van Dyne and touching it very quickly. Yeah, the... Um, She's presumed dead. Presumed. Presumed dead. Because as it comes into the climax of the movie, we, we learn about where she actually is and how she could have survived. Yeah, um, because right, there's a part where they have a flashback. Because um, it's mentioned when we first see Hank Pym punching the shield geezer in the face in front of um, Howard Stark and... Um, Peggy Carter. Peggy Carter. That, but, oh yeah, that happened. Old ass Peggy Carter again. It's great. Uh, uh, Peggy Carter's now started on UK TV, by the way. He's now on Fox. We, we, after we've all watched it, I haven't watched it yet. Oh, so okay. I'm only on. I've only seen the first episode. Any hoozle. Um, it's mentioned that she's dead, 
uh, well, presumed dead again, and they show um, a missile attack in which Ant-Man's sent to go and stop it. He's trying to cut through um, the Wasp. Is she called the Wasp in the flashback? She was called the Wasp, yeah, but she was wearing a red suit. Yeah, she was basically flying Ant-Man. So she flies in, and um, Ant-Man's trying to cut the side of the missile open. He can't get through. And then... Now, this is something that hadn't occurred to me. I thought it was a really good uh, point to make, in that... The Ant-Man suit has a regulator that will stop you at a certain height so you don't you keep shrinking. Um, That's why he's not Atom-Man as opposed to yeah. Ant-Man. That had never occurred to me that they would have something to stop it. Uh, she essentially turns hers off so she can get like, leap between the tiniest of gaps in the side of the missile, um, destroys it, and then Hank Pym basically says that she wouldn't stop until she was like inside the Atom. You know what I mean? She would just keep going and going until it was impossible to shrink anymore. At which point, time, space, reality, everything stops. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And I I, I kind of forgot about it. I'm just like, oh, that's just how they're going to keep whoever could be the wasp. Michael Douglas wants Catherine Zeta-Jones. Of course he does. Um, I married a Catherine Zeta-Jones. Will you sleep with me? <laughs> to quote Family Guy. So I thought that was just a plot point for that end. But then come the end of the movie, Ant-Man, uh, uh, Paul Rudd has to do the same thing. And this is where we st- I started to get a bit worried because he kept shrinking and shrinking and he, and he destroys Yellow Jacket stuff and makes him implode. That was a weird bit. Meanwhile, a, a sp- 2001 A Space Odyssey somehow got mixed into the film reel. I know, I was like, oh no, it's Interstellar. Oh no, it's Interstellar. <laughs> As he keeps shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and he's like going past like, you know, atoms and everything, he stops. He's like, oh, he's not even that big. Um, and he starts to get all weird hippy-trippy stuff. Oh God! Please don't ruin this now. Don't, don't put him behind a bookcase. Don't be behind a bookcase for love of God. Um, <laughs> and then he puts in one of his little weapons, which is a really cool idea. He had like these yeah. two little like shuriken things that would like one would make stuff grow, one would make stuff shrink. Used to great effect for comedy in the um, oh, in the closing moments. Yes. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. Okay, and then so he puts one. that inside his regulator and boop, and then boop, and he's I'm just making noises. And then he grows back to normal size. Bit weird though that his regulator then didn't stop him just keep going and going and going. It looks like the size of Galactus. Yeah, no hint of Giant Man, by the way, which that was the hint me. of Giant Man. Sure. No, but I mean, no, the hint that he could go bigger, but they, we never saw anything. Oh yeah, we never saw like, like I, if I tinkered with this, maybe I could become some form of Giant Man. I always <laughs> thought I thought one of the post-credit stingers would be him literally pressing the button and then going. Like in a field or something, you just start growing. <laughs> like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> like, like, you wouldn't necessarily, like, the camera wouldn't move. you just see him, like, grow out of frame. I thought that would be, That would know, be pretty sweet. That would have been pretty cool. But, um, again, they steered away from that. Maybe that's what we'll get in the event. The seed's been um, planted, clearly. And as yeah. anybody who knows Civil War, Giant Man has a role to play. Uh-huh. Which is good. So that means that there is hope that we will see Janet Van Dyne, the original Wasp, at some point. If they ever get around to doing Ant-Man 2. Yeah, I presume that would be the plot point that we would go for. However, Hope Van Dyne is clearly going to be our Wasp. Yes, um, credit sting number one was the reveal of a Wasp costume uh, in the vault that had the Ant Man costume in. In, um, in traditional colours as well. Didn't have the um, the sort of like antenna headset thing that every other iteration of the Wasp has got. Yeah, very much a helmet, but it is a yellow suit with bug wings, which is awesome. It was yellow. Yeah, I thought it was red and blue. No, it was yellow. Oh, okay. That's me not, not, not only could you not see, you were separating colours. <laughs> Yay! Yay! I didn't know I was that blind. Um, yes, yeah, so I expect her to be... They have said she's going to be in a Phase 3 movie. Um, Kevin Feige said that, I think it was today. Um, 
I, I would suspect Civil War, but that's already so damn full that I don't think it would be. So maybe she'll be held off for Infinity War. I can see her uh, cropping up in Captain Marvel. That's my prediction. As like a girl-powered deal. Yeah. Mm, makes sense. She might. I, I would think maybe she'll be like a war machine type in um, Infinity War. Like she'll turn up when it's convenient to the plot that they need a flying that person. That certainly could happen. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see more from Evangeline Lily now she's not in... The constraints of this plot of having to be, you know, the businesswoman type. Sierra's like yeah. a hero character. That's only good if we get more female superheroes. Um, Can we talk about the two, just before we head into, like, the final bits? Yes. The two big laughs for me were when uh, things got, like, blown up to gigantic proportions. Yes. So, first of all, Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh, that was fantastic. That was beautiful. Because they showed, obviously, the Thomas Tank... The, the big joke was the Thomas Tank Engine crash. Yeah. Like, that was all over the trailers, and we... Got, <laughs> We probably, we probably thought that was the end of it. No, he throws one of his little shurikens at the Thomas Tank Engine on the window, and it grows into full-size train uh, Thomas Tank Engine. With full-on, like, terrible animation eyes still going uh, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. fucking sweet. That was fantastic. Oh, shit, the big ant as well. Yeah, he threw, um, <laughs> he threw another one, he hit one of his ants, he grew up, and they're keeping it as a dog, apparently. Yeah, it's, like, it's a weird-ass-looking dog. <laughs> yeah. Dog. Oh, that's a messed-up dog. Incompetent police officer. Yeah. Throughout this movie. Oh, by the way, the, by the end of the movie, Cassie Lang has now got a mum, two dads, and a pet aunt. Fair play, Cassie. You're yeah. doing well here. In good life. That means, you know, two Christmases, <laughs> two birthdays, and an aunt. Sweet, go you. Um, That's the Ant-Man sequel subtitle. Two Christmases, <laughs> two birthdays, and an aunt. It's better than Electric Boogaloo. True. Um, yeah. Um, oh, and the... Uh, the when when he set when like he had his keys and he's got the tank on it you see that a couple oh of times. yeah but then he goes this isn't a keychain I was like fuck off no yeah he he has he has a, a I don't think we gave enough context there he has a tank key ring on his keys that is a tank that is actually a tank that he just grows to break <laughs> out of his building that was a fantastic idea it's just the, the big keychain at yep. the end of the tank oh yeah yeah he's got the keychain so cool um, apparently. Yes. The uh, Spider-Man tease that was left in at the end, um, and again, another Michael Pena just saying stuff out loud, she says that the, the reporter has heard of all these different superheroes, including one that can crawl up walls. Apparently that was written, filmed, and done before the Spider-Man deal went through. That I... Apparently. Like, damn, really? Apparently. Were well, they that confident that they were well, going to get they were them either back? that confident or it just wasn't meant for Spider-Man. Now, clearly, everyone would have jumped to that conclusion, but yeah. they would have then come in and said, no, no, it, it means... Can anybody else climb up walls? Spider-Woman. They have her rights. Yeah, okay. Well, it could have been that. More insects, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so that was neat. We came up with a better second credit stinger again. We did, because whilst the, the mid-credit stinger was the Wasp reveal, which we all expected and was still pretty good. Yeah. Like, actually pretty quite well written as well. Um, the We came up with the idea that because Hank Pym gets shot in the movie, that he would yep. have to go and see a doctor. Now, being an ex-superhero, superheroes go to different doctors, really, yeah. don't they? Uh, one by the name of Stephen Strange. I did think maybe they... Uh, afterwards, I thought, well, they did mention him in Civil War, which implies that he's... No, in Winter Soldier, you mean? In Winter Soldier, yeah. They, they mention him in there, which implies he's already magical. He's already he, well, he was already known to Hydra. So well, that yeah. was thinking, they didn't really explain whether he was already magical or if 
because um, 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 Zola's formula was meant to pick it out before it ever happened. Yeah, yeah. So they didn't say whether this was like somebody they knew of who had magical powers or something that Zola had picked out to say he will have them. Well, in the, future. the line from Winter Soldier was like something like Bruce Banner, Stephen Strange, anybody who's considered a threat, which yeah. is interesting that he's put in the same league as the Hulk. Yeah. In, well, I know so you would presume that he'd already Yeah, so I thought he'd like, we wouldn't necessarily see Cumberbatch, but we'd see a door open with. Doctor S. Strange, Strange on the door, and you'd hear maybe hear Cumberbatch because you know you can stick a microphone in front of him. Yeah. No problem. Instead, we got a very, very vague, but interesting, but uh, a bit vague. Made better by um, the reveal that this is apparently a scene lifted straight from Civil War, as in like they have the rushes of Civil War right now. They just went <coughs> stick that at the end right. of that. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, it involves. Um, uh, Fal- oh, we haven't even talked about Falcon. We'll get oh, yeah, the, in a second. yeah, yeah, Falcon. Oh, uh, yeah, Falcon and Cap find Winter Soldier with his arm in, in a vice. So, do you reckon he just like accidentally got it? And I was like, <laughs> no, do you reckon? Uh, it, oh, my god, well, do you reckon it's a bit uh, just a big magnet? And he's like, oh, for <laughs> fuck's sake, <laughs> someone's watching Breaking Bad said. <gasps> no, I like to think like he was just like you know doing some um, doing some metal work, you know, doing a bit of sword sharpening or whatever, and he just got caught in his own voice. Like, what if I only got one number in the phone? <laughs> Hello, Steve. <laughs> Listen, I know you're pissed, but <laughs> but be a, be a bro, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know they say Cat Base is like Falcon says, "Do you want me to phone Tony and?" Um, Captain America's like nah nah don't be calling Tony we don't he says something he says I found out what that line was because we all thought he said he's too busy with the Accorus it's the Accords as in the Accords of the Superior Registration Act it's like he's he's too busy trying to abide to that he would right. never come and try and find the, the Winter Soldier because that's considered a threat Right. Or okay. help Cap because that's considered a threat oh so this is makes like, sense now doesn't so it? this is Civil War in action, yeah. This is it's all, oh okay. Cause, yeah, I was like, what are the Akoras? Are they a thing? Are they an alien? A roving band of psychics. <laughs> Sweet. Um, I'm getting a Tony right here. <laughs> See, and then and then Falcon says, "No, we can't get to Tony." He said, "Well, I do know a guy." Who's that man? Yeah. Back to Falcon. Oh yeah, that yeah, fight. They. Again, I didn't see this coming, so they said, "You said this is what got me really excited, like prematurely," and I'm kind of embarrassed of myself. You, they said that it's in upstate in New York, and you leaned over and said, you know what's in upstate New York, don't you? And I kind of went, no. And you went, wait. In that brief second, like, it was only like 10 or 20 seconds before you saw what it was. I was like, hang on a minute, the X-Mansion is in upstate New York. No way. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. It's the new Avengers. It's the new Avengers. I got overly excited once again. <laughs> and was like, is this it? Is this it? <laughs> Is it happening? How fucking cool would that have been if you just seemed like break into Cerebro? We're like, oh my god! <laughs> um, that's a weird noise. Um, yeah, he, he breaks into the new Avengers Institute and he says, no one's home. You see someone fly past the camera. I thought it was going to be Iron Man, but for, uh, on reflection, I'll read your clock. Yeah, they're not going to pay Tony Stark. They're not going to pay um, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. money for a 10 minute cameo. But yeah, Falcon! Falcon versus the Ant Man. That was sweet. It's a fight that, we didn't knew, know we want, and yet we really did. Yeah, and it's a, this is the weird thing though because that fight to me before the ending credit scene set up for round two in Civil War because mm-hmm. Falcon's going to be understandably pissed that he got wrecked by a guy that nobody's heard of. Yeah, whilst he is the Falcon now, he's not like 
He's not Sam Wilson using the Falcon backpack. He is Falcon. Falcon. Um, and Ant-Man wrecks his shit. Well, it's a fairly even fight for the most part in that basically Scott Lang is on the retreat for the majority of it until he gets inside um, pardon me, the backpack and like messes it up, which was nice foreshadowing for what he does to Yellow Jacket later on in the movie. Um, and yeah, it was just all worth the line of, I'd appreciate if no one told Cap about this. Yeah. <laughs> And then yeah, it was a very smart idea because then you got an Avengers link. It's all very, very clever. We also haven't talked about the yellow jacket armor. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. <laughs> That's about uh, it. You only get to really see it for like the last twenty minutes of the movie. The most, the most it's ever seen in the movie is when it's inside the magnified chamber. Yeah, you don't really get to see it in action a lot often. <laughs> do, do you think? Just to me, it kind of felt like for most of that movie, he trunk the suit and then gone. Fuck, I forgot to wear it. <laughs> so oh, it's like, oh, bollocks, I'm not in it. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> you imagine, like, he finally cracked the pin particle and he wasn't in the suit. It's like, fum, fum, yes! Shit! <laughs> How do I reverse this? <laughs> the only bit that annoyed me at the air jacket thing, and I, I, I think they were just being cheeky about it, he made Star Wars blaster noises. Yeah. It like obvi- like very evidently the rebel like the stormtrooper pew pew I was like no those are Star Wars Falling Skies does this the skitters in Falling Skies make velociraptor noises like actual velociraptor noises from Jurassic Park and I'm like what? no no please god no Spielberg directs and uh, produces Falling Skies I'm like no no it's too obvious what it is stop it <sighs> um don't yeah know, don't know how we got to Falling Skies but okay sorry Falling Sky's great, by the way. Oh, you know. So, like season five's been like. Uh, just quick aside, yeah. Right. Like, Mason is just. Tom Mason is just like bored of being a pacifier anymore. And he's just straight up cold cocking aliens in the face. It's fantastic. He's past the point. He's just executing them. It's fantastic. Any hoozle. Um, I think that's it for spoilers. Yeah, I think it is. I think that's everything we need to say. Um, go watch this movie. Yay! It's better than Big Hero 6. Okay. Yeah, I know. I really enjoyed it. It was really good. But you don't think it's better than Big Hero 6. Big Hero 6 is quite still quite special for me. Again, Michael. Michael.